Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Movie Dicks podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Schendel. Today, we have a special guest. Our good friend, Trip Townsend, is joining us from California. Trip, say hello. Hello. Trip is a college buddy of mine. I met him when I was in college. I think it was my sophomore or junior year. I don't remember exactly when I met you. It was sophomore year, yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but Point is, st- I've seen your balls hanging out of your underwear. <laughs> You've also beaten me with a 12-inch double-sided dildo. Yeah, that's true. To contextualize this, to contextualize this, Tripp, he did not start in a film program like I did. Paul was being an engineer at the time. Tripp was being a student at UNM. And I met Tripp randomly through this girl that we both knew. And I had mentioned that I was in film and eventually got to the point where Tripp ended up becoming our main actor in everything that we did and our main producer in everything that I did. Tripp Townsend is a producer in San Francisco. You you currently live in the Bay Area. Yeah, Bay Area, you know, just uh, making tons of uh, movies and videos you know so i know a whole bunch more than you (laughs) (laughs) trip was always the uh voice of reason i remember trip and i got in this huge argument over one of my films that i did when i was living in la about where we were going to film it and i remember that he and i got in this really really intense argument that i don't think i've ever argued with trip like that before but yeah no, it's great. It's great being a producer, being thrown under the bus, you know, and uh, having to argue with tons of people. I would actually say that that's one of the things that I enjoy the most is uh, not not so much the actual argument, but, you know, the best part about producing is finding solutions. You know, I, I'll always give that credit to you because, like, you are without a doubt the best producer that I've worked with over the myriad of films that I've done and TV shows that I've done is that you've always been been the most level-headed and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we went to college together and we've known each other for a long time that definitely counts for something because it was uh there were there were some moments in there during our like time together that I don't think that I would have been able to make it through with any other producer other than you because you you fucking pulled some shit when we were filming in Albuquerque that I was like wow this guy's like he's really going for it Uh, you mean like how I found a location that was a, a private road, a diner, a motel, and a strip club? And a strip club. Oh, dude. <laughs> All in one. Oh, God one, damn. <laughs> and a fucking stripper bought us drinks after we shot. That was fucking great. Yeah, she was talking to the director of that short, you know, she's talking him up and like, oh, yeah, you know, I was in something. Uh, you, you. All right. So it, to, to clarify, the director of that short is gay, but she was hitting on him like a motherfucker. And it was really embarrassing for her part. But she was, she was, I, I, I bet she was going for a challenge, you know, see if she could uh, turn him, him straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a, it, it, it was a really, really interesting experience. And she was saying that she was like part of this documentary. I kept thinking like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just her flapping her lips to try to like get in with us and get a better tip or whatever. We totally discounted her, all of us. But like a year later, Trip so sent was, us this. Yeah, it was four months later. I, I followed Vice News and they were doing an, a video series on roadside strip clubs. And <laughs> there she was. You know, there you go, New Mexico. It was called The Life of a Truck Stop Stripper. Yep. <laughs> and I remember the trip sent me the leak and I was like, holy shit, she wasn't lying. That's fucking amazing. Uh, it's a good time. But all that, 
all that being said, let's jump into it. All right. So today we are penalizing the 1995 monkey fuck that is the movie Congo. <laughs> this is a this is a special movie to me. Uh, I know it's bad, but I still love it regardless of what you guys think. So fuck you guys in advance. That's okay. All right. So if you guys haven't seen this movie, don't bother seeing it. But I will give you a little synopsis. It's a 90s here. classic. <laughs> Let me, let me go into my Hugh Downs voice. I got to practice this. <clears throat> when an expedition to the African Congo ends in disaster, a new team is assembled to find out what went wrong. It's a Paramount release through the Kennedy Marshall Company. Kennedy Marshall Company was responsible for Benjamin Button, The Sixth Sense, and the Academy Award winning Lincoln. But also, it was responsible <laughs> for Assassin's Creed, The Last Fucking Airbender in Jurassic World. Don't forget about Indiana Jones 4. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's produced by Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy. You'll know Kennedy from the much maligned film we focused on in our first episode, The Rise of Skywalker. She also made Hook and Twister, if that's worth something. Marshall, you might also know from An American Tale, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Joe versus the Volcano. I'm deliberately focusing on their less celebrated movies, not that Raiders of the Lost Ark is less celebrated, but because despite Congo, they really don't have that many really bad movies in their careers. As much as they have all these star-studded, like, brilliant movies, they also have some really glaring, really bad movies. <laughs> It stars Laura Linney, who almost always is great, like in Kinsey and You Can Count on Me, but also has some dark moments with Congo, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, and The Mothman Prophecies. <laughs> Besides her, there's Dylan Walsh, which I have to be honest here, I don't know who this motherfucker is. I honestly hadn't seen him before I saw this movie, and I don't think I've ever seen him after that. But he's been in some shit that I have seen, including Eastwood's Bloodwork, Gibson slash Randall Wallace's movie We Were Soldiers, and the goddamn atrocious remake of The Stepfather. Seriously, I've seen these movies, but I don't remember him in them, dude. Like, that's how forgettable this fucking guy is. But seriously, if you haven't seen The Stepfather from 1987, it's a jewel of a mid-80s horror movie. I don't know if you Paul that saw that, Paul, but it's a, it's nah, a fucking it's a fucking brilliant movie. Don't see the remake because fucking Terry O'Quinn is amazing in the 87 version. But I digress. All you need to know is that Dylan Walsh has been on Law & Order SVU and once an actor ends up there, you're fucked. Hey, well, wasn't he it. like... One of the two leads in the series, Nip Tuck. That I don't know, actually, Trip. You may know that better than I do. Like I said, I don't give a shit about this guy. And I, I really, <laughs> my my sort of off-again, on-again love affair with Ryan Murphy has been ultimately very tumultuous. And Nip Tuck, after the first three seasons, just completely went to shit. Just like everything that Ryan Murphy has made, though. I mean, I stopped watching American Horror Story because he went off the deep end. And I just don't give a shit anymore. Ernie Hudson is also in this movie of Ghostbusters fame. Oh. Ghost Ghostbusters, oh, yeah. along with Tim Frankenfurter Curry, which I have to say, you know, I, I love Rocky Horror Picture Show, but is awful in this movie. But nah, he's, he's one of the best parts of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but he's absolutely incredible in Ridley Scott's 1985 fantasy flick Legend, where he plays the Prince of Darkness, and he's fucking brilliant in that movie. Grant Hesloff, George Clooney's writing and producing partner in Good Night and Good Luck, and Argo, which they also produced together. Joe... I was in The Matrix and Bad Boys Pantoliano is in this movie. Delroy Get Shorty Lindo is also in this flick. And lastly, Joe Don Walking Tall Baker is in this movie. I don't know why this guy has a career, honestly. He looks like a milkman delivery 
delivery driver who lost his route in Minnesota and ended up being in the movie dude, business. Dude, you forgot the indelible Bruce Campbell. No, no, no. <laughs> he, Bruce I, Campbell I, makes an appearance I, for like five seconds. I deliberately did not mention Bruce Campbell. I didn't forget about him. I deliberately did not mention him because this is a dark point in his career. It's directed by Frank Marshall. Uh, who also gave us the cinema legend that is arachnophobia. Oh man, that one's great. When the spider screams, it is it is great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's it's written by some guy named John Patrick Shanley, who remarkably wrote Norman Jewison's Oscar-winning movie for Cher called Moonstruck, where she won her Oscar for that movie as Best Actress, which is still bizarre to me, even though it's, what, 37 years later, I still can't get over the fact that she won an Oscar, as well as the multi-Oscar-nominated 2008 Cooker Doubt with Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Seriously, how do you write a movie like Doubt and write a movie like this? All right, so the whole reason this movie got made was because it's a book by Michael Crichton, like the early 80s and so you know he just adapted this <laughs> it's 109 minutes long it was produced on a 50 million dollar budget it was released on june 11th 1995 at 2676 theaters opening weekend saw a 24 million dollar gross it opened at number one against casper in its third week die hard with a vengeance in its fourth week and braveheart in its third week crimson tide and johnny fucking mnemonic were out during this time by the way <laughs> if you haven't seen if you haven't seen the classic keanu reeves movie john and johnny <laughs> mnemonic that's that's that should be one that we focus on in a future episode paul because oh, that God. movie is fucking unbelievable <laughs> Over its 206-day run, it made $81 million domestically and $71 million internationally, making the total haul stand at $152 million worldwide. That makes it the 110th overall opening weekend for a movie in the month of June and the 1,315th overall for international box office. Its lowest grossing territory was South Africa with a $1,376 opening. To give you an idea, there's 41.5 million people in South Africa in 1995, and at an average cost of $4 and 8 per ticket or 424 Rand, which is their dollar, makes total asses and seats at 337.25 people. Again, with the one quarter person. This is still <laughs> apparently this one quarter person has been traveling around the world to small territories for the fucking last 30 years and just seeing these movies in small territories. That means that 8.131 millionth of of a percent of South Africa saw this piece of gorilla shit. <laughs> it's got a 5.3 on IMDb, a 22 on Metacritic, and a 22 on Rotten Tomatoes, and also a 29% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, which means it is a absolutely rotten pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, it's rated PG-13 for jungle, adventure, terror, and action, and brief strong language. So Paul, given that you are a fan of this movie or that you have some sort of warm place for this movie that isn't in your colon pitch this movie to me all right all right all right so it's 1994 we got a lot of cocaine on the table in front of us <laughs> now listen listen remember how jurassic park made a fuckload of money it's because michael crichton knows how to write a book that americans love he likes to take the themes of playing god and corporate greed and being over your head versus nature all right so We've got this book. We own the options to it. It's called Congo. Let me tell you about it, all right? It's got 
everything you could want from an adventure story. It's got jungles. Where are the tits? Are there tits? Where are the tits? Uh, no. Well, there might be some gorilla tits. I haven't decided on <laughs> that yet. All right. All right. Continue. So we got gorillas. Even even a talking gorilla that smokes cigars and drinks <laughs> martinis. Okay. You can't I love it. I love it. Adam and, Sandler okay, can okay. play that role. Uh, no, 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 no. Not Adam Sandler. Okay. We're going we're gonna to put someone in a gorilla suit, okay? The the CG technology isn't there ready. It's not ready yet. So we're just gonna make a big gorilla suit. It's gonna be amazing. We're gonna get the best of the best animatronics. Well, you're gonna get Stan Winston to work on this yeah, thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Stan Winston, he's the best. We're gonna get Stan Winston to make the gorilla, okay? <laughs> Now it's going to have, there's going to be a lost city in the middle of the jungle, diamonds, venture, lasers, fucking lasers. <laughs> Fuck, and dope. on top of everything else, there's going to be a volcano. I mean, you can't ask for more than that. Maybe we can even make in a, a gorilla love story in there. The furries will love it. Let me tell you. Let All right. So how, how, how much do you need for this movie? I'm, I'm hearing like 90, uh, 90 Yeah, I think a hundred million will do it. A <laughs> hundred million? Yeah. That's who who do you got to star in this fucking thing? Oh, we're well, we're working on getting Mel Gibson. Uh, but, Mel Gibson. Uh, All right. But well, he, he hasn't said anything out. awful about the Jews yet, so that's okay. <laughs> who who do you have to show her tits? Uh, we've got this lady named Linny. Uh, she's probably uh, not no, show her tits, no. Though. I can't I can't give you more than fifty million if you're gonna uh, do Laura. Well, I guess we'll get B-rate actors. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> Focus on the the gorilla effects everything all right i dig it i dig it i dig it all right all right give me your money as long as you get jimmy buffett to do a cameo i think uh, i think you got you got a movie yeah i think we got a movie fuck jimmy buffett dude yeah I... you know that he does the cameo in this right yes yes all right so i i went on this rant the other day at work and i i mean the other day like two months ago when i was actually working before the coronavirus but I started going off about Jimmy Buffett and I must have gone off at Jimmy Buffett for about 30 fucking minutes on why I hate Jimmy Buffett. Whoa. And it seemed like it seemed uh, like I was in the real minority here because these these were people that were like the youngest guy that was working on the crew was 20 and the oldest guy was in his 70s and everybody was like talking to me like I was the asshole for not liking Jimmy Buffett. You just haven't kicked back on the beach, Gabe. And yep you know, had a nice cold <laughs> drink on the beach. I think that's what you're missing. And then you would understand Jimmy Buffett. You know? <laughs> I will immediately admit, and I, we're going we're gonna to play a duo here trip against Paul because <laughs> I fucking hated this movie the first time I saw it. When I saw it in 97, like that was the first time I saw it, it was 1997. I was 10, Paul, 10. <laughs> and I didn't even have like a big breadth of like movies that I have now being 33. But like, I knew this movie sucked for some fucking reason. And I didn't know at the time, but I think a lot of it had to do with the animatronic gorilla. And <laughs> I, I, and I know, I know, you, I know you trip. I know that you fucking hated this movie too. So I, I will say that my, I, I had only seen the movie the, for the first time rather recently, um, <laughs> which was a absolute pleasure. Um, I, I might have had to do work just to be able to make it through it while I was watching it and not <laughs> wanting to uh, commit sabuku. Um, but um, I will say though, I actually liked the gorilla. I'm I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little bit on Paul's yeah. side just because. Wait, a Amy, you're talking about Amy? Yeah. You liked Amy? I, or you like the gray gorillas? Amy, <laughs> because. Right now, we, we live in this time where you have so much terrible CG, right? And I, I like seeing physical animatronics or people in suit. Okay. Like, yeah. this was okay. like 
the peak of animatronics right here uh, in the 90s yeah like, this is the last <laughs> of the non-cg movie creatures i mean that, that that's that's about as much as i'm going to give you on that i the <laughs> the first five minutes of this i think i texted gabe of like what the fuck <laughs> like, the, the dialogue just I felt like I was back in film school or something. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> the very obvious set that's behind Bruce Campbell when they're doing the satellite transmission yes. when he tests out the laser and it lights on fire. I was like, you know, okay. So this is a real problem. Like a lot of movies from the 90s that didn't weren't like huge franchises or whatever, when they get transferred to Blu-ray, they do like sort of sub quality work when it comes to chroma subsampling and stuff like that. And it ends up making it look like shit. But especially with movies that were shot on 35 back in the day, they, they look bad. You can see the lighting, you can see like set design, shit like that. But this movie, for some reason, that green screen or like stage or whatever that Bruce Campbell is standing in is so bad that it just immediately angered me <laughs> continuing on paul i i want to get your thoughts man like seriously i know that you're a huge michael crichton fan and that may be the reason why All right well let me start it. with saying i like his books a lot and uh jurassic park is a great movie but i don't think any of his other books have been adapted into good movies <laughs> and i don't, i like this movie not because it's a michael crichton movie but because it's kind of this weird i don't know it's got this weird sense of humor and <laughs> you know it's a terrible b movie but uh you know i still enjoy it so and paul i mean got all the elements that i want you know it's got monkeys beating people's heads in and <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, some laser action so wait wait wait, paul I, I just gotta stop you for a second because you know michael crichton he wrote and directed westworld the the 73 version not the tv show obviously like we had talked about previously mm -hmm. but like that's a good adaptation and like yeah westworld andromeda strain dress park those are pretty good but, but sphere and twister not so much sphere uh if you've seen timeline that's probably the worst example of his adapted <laughs> movies yeah i don't that, know was, that was rising really... sun with sean rising sun. i wasn't uh, gonna bring disclosure that up disclosure with michael uh what's his name Thir michael douglas uh, 13th yeah. warrior wasn't that him yeah 13th yeah, warrior with antonio banderas yeah <laughs> playing an arab man i I liked bits and pieces of the 13th warrior. Like the amount of sure. ultra violence that's in that movie is pretty <laughs> impressive. Actually. I like that a lot, but I mean, overall, I, I think that other than Jurassic park, to be honest, I've never read a Michael Crichton novel, so I can't yeah. speak directly to it. And maybe that makes me well, one of I the mean, few people that actually have what made Jurassic park a good movie is they took the elements of what's in the book but then made it their own kind of story and flows differently. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in the book doesn't happen in the movie. Mm. And yeah, I think with Congo, I, it's been such a long time since I've read the book, but maybe they followed it too closely. And <laughs> I, I don't so know. The, the lasers yeah. were in the book, right? Like that's not something that they just came up with for the script, right? Yeah. The whole reason that this uh, greedy corporation is sending people off to middle of Africa, which is a war zone in, in the book, which is like early 1980s in the movie, which is early mid nineties, well, mid 1900s. And it's still a war zone now. I mean, the, the whole thing takes place in Zaire, which is now the democratic Republic, Republic of, of Congo. Congo. Yeah, so I mean that place is still a mess. <laughs> and 
But uh, yeah, no, what I like about this movie when it has to do with the kind of politics of fucked up Africa is all of the humor is this, you know, cynical humor, you know, it's like, oh, you know, whenever the president's car gets blown up, that just means they're just going (laughs) to round up everyone and kill them, you know? one of the good jokes hey, from so this movie. I, I got yeah. a real I got a real question about that that you just brought up was that they they get off the plane and they get thrown on the Unimog speaking of which do you miss your Pinsgauer Paul that was something that I wrote in my notes because oh, like yeah, I missed that a lot. when I when I, I, know, when I saw that, when <laughs> if I, I saw, still had it I probably would be dead by now but, <laughs> I don't know. That, that vehicle is fucking awesome dude like driving that through the streets of albuquerque with the bullhorn on top of it was that was next level that really was it was awesome but going back to it, what i was gonna say was is that they get off the plane and they say like everything's fucked up we gotta throw you on this unimog and they throw them in the back of the unimog and they take them off wherever they need to take them and there's that whole exposition scene you know shit's blowing up whatever <laughs> There's a great part about that scene where they hijack the Unimog, they get on the Unimog, and then there's a shot, them turning the Unimog around and going straight to this checkpoint, and the guards have been viewing this incident the whole time, but they just let them through. supposed to be covertly getting through the checkpoint but you see it's like this continuous thing like 100 yards away from the checkpoint my my question my question was paul is that they brought like they make a very big deal about when they're loading up the plane that it's like a fuck ton of equipment that they're bringing and they get there and they're like oh fuck it we can't bring any of the equipment right now get them on the truck they're gonna kill everybody get them out but joe pontigliano the one guy is able to somehow load all their shit on a separate vehicle and then show up to them later and like deliver all this equipment that they need for the expedition yeah well he's just the man who can get things done all right oh my god he's an operator yeah (laughs) really man give give the guy some credit you know i i have to say that i i appreciate joe don baker picking up a swinging object and smashing the golf club into the tv that lights on fire earlier in the movie because that's like (laughs) (laughs) that's like joe don baker's thing like in walking tall he has like this big piece of cedar that he carries around and he whacks people with. And Joe Don Baker, like being able to pick up the golf club and smash it through the TV and it lights on fire. I've smashed a CRT and I don't remember it ever lighting on fire. Like well, You obviously did it wrong. You've never seen how it does in yeah. any movie. Except for, what was it, 22 Jump Street? <laughs> You know, I love Stan Winston as much as the next next guy, you know, like Terminator is one of my favorite movies and like Predator and all that other shit and his work. I cannot speak enough about his work, about his work being absolutely incredible. But Amy is awful. Like it's bad work. You can see the person in the gorilla suit. You can see the articulation by the puppeteers almost so much so you can see like one eyelid open more than the other one as they're blinking, you know, like everything's kind of off. Why was that passable? This is like some real, like he's fucking the gorilla and that's the real reason why he likes this gorilla type shit. And (laughs) I mean, you gotta go, you gotta go back in time a little bit puppeteering has always been puppeteering and you know you go back and watch like some jim henson movies (laughs) or star wars even and i mean chewbacca has all right all right right. stop 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 stop, stop. don't don't put star wars in the same realm as this movie 95 was the year of babe that movie got nominated for best picture and best director and best makeup effects but like this movie didn't get any love from the oscars because it's terrible There's even the makeup work in this is really bad. And I, I think that it's worth noting is that this 
really should not have been made. And <laughs> I, I really feel like Stan Winston really rushed into this thing. It doesn't look right, man. It looks like somebody in a fucking gorilla suit. Like I haven't seen this shit. Well, that's because it is. 60s. But you have to this go back 60s. to the 90s, man, and realize that. <laughs> Planet of the Apes looks better to this, suspend bro. your disbelief. <laughs> no, no, it did not. Planet right. of the Apes, like Charlton Heston. Come on, man. There's just people in monkey makeup. This, the monkey can blink and has some articulated lips and a forehead. I want to move past it for a second because I, I, I want to talk about the 90s haircuts in this movie, right? Like Grant Heslov as the, the lackey. Dude, I can't even remember his fucking name, actually, because he's so bad in this movie. It didn't even place to me that this character had a name. But... He has like this fro that's just like dripping in this movie. Like throughout the movie, it looks like he just came out of the shower. Like it's dripping with Jerry Curl. How does he do that when he's in the jungle? I don't, I don't know. know, man. I it's, he it's just ho- brought a whole case of Jerry God Curl damn. with him. <laughs> you know, he's got to get the Jerry Curl under control, man. They're a product of the times. Oh my you just God. just have to let it go, Oh man. my God. I want to talk about Tim Curry. Tim Curry is terrible in this movie. Like <laughs> trip back me yeah. up on this for a second. Because you know how good Tim Curry can be. Yeah, no, I, I think when I watched it, I just saw a paycheck. I, I, I thought casting director was really either high or just wanted to cash in the day. And then Tim Curry might have called them up and said, hey, I really need a paycheck. You got anything for me. <laughs> I, I can do any accent. Mean- oh, really? Can you, can you do a Serbian? I don't know. Can I? Ro- oh, Romanian. sorry, sorry, Romanian. Romanian. Get it right, Romanian. Okay, okay. His whole character works for me because <laughs> in the beginning of the movie, he comes around as this mysterious philanthropist with a bunch of money. But throughout the whole movie, you learn more and more that he's a fraud, like a complete fraud. More and more. Ten then, minutes later, they say he's broke, dude. Yeah, but then you <laughs> get his backstory that he's been involved with some other expedition that failed, and Ernie Hudson had to drag his ass out of the jungle. And he's like complete coward and a fraud. And he's probably not even from Romania. He's just making up an accent. So, <laughs> so, but he has the best scene in the movie when they're sitting with the, the dictator general. I was going to say, I think that was my favorite scene. The general and the favorite line of this whole movie is stop <laughs> eating cakes. He has to spit it out. Otherwise he's going to get the iron general. It's wonderful. <laughs> uh, wonderful is one word for it paul I, no he's uh i think he's appropriate to the character and you know they could have picked a different actor that it could have played it more i think tim curry had a little you know smile and <laughs> you know he's just like kind of hammered it up but uh at the same time if they picked another actor who's more serious i don't think it would have worked or so like well. anyone from the eastern block yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyone that could have played off that accent i want to talk about the ape drinking the martini <laughs> this this is a scene that comes out of nowhere and it just exists for the sake of existing there's nothing that has talked to us about like maybe he gives the ape a little bit of alcohol when she's freaking out or whatever but like it's just there just to show like this animatronic ape like drinking a martini i'm sorry no no, and, no, no i'm sorry there is never a bad time for a martini like you get a nice martini <laughs> extra dirty with three olives like that ape has class gabe you not understand oh my god no, so wait whole, uh, is it, whole, is it... whole scene is showing their you know their different characters and kind of building up their <laughs> characters how 
one guy is bleeding hard and he believes that apes are peaceful while the the doctor Linny or whatever her name is uh, she's <laughs> kind of you know she's seen she's seen the apes kill all of her uh, people over the video chat so uh, she knows something darker is going on did she oh my did god she? but yeah <laughs> It's all for comic relief, you know. Come on. All right. So uh, you you just brought up Laura Linney. So I, I want to bring this up for a second. There's this character moment in it that when they're on the plane and she like insults the fact that he's teaching this ape how to talk, she's being like unbelievably catty about it for no reason. Like she's a fucking academic dude. And like, wouldn't she see like some sort of value in this? Can't you can't you feel the underlying sexual tension between the two? No, absolutely not, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. All right. So wait a second. So it are you are you trying to say that like she's jealous of the ape and the attention that Dylan Walsh is throwing towards the ape, or is are you just trying to say Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. All right. So yeah, she's got the hots oh. for him. He's got the hots for her. Do they but they have no, to no, go no. through this, this whole is, cycle this, of uh you know this is like a hate a hate fucking thing, dude. <laughs> Even if she is like jealous of this ape and the attention that Dylan, all right. So I'm I'm gonna go out on the limb here for a second because I don't believe that's what you say that it is. I think that you're just playing devil's advocate in order to defend your point. But if 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 I go out on a limb here and I say maybe she is jealous of the way that he's like throwing attention toward the ape and he wants to direct it back to her, it's a gorilla we, game. A gorilla. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm sorry. To all the, uh, oh, what's the word? I, I am sorry about all the simian people out there that I might have offended by saying ape when I meant gorilla. <laughs> but <laughs> besides the fact, if I go out on a limb and I run with your theory for a second that she's jealous of the ape, or she's jealous of the gorilla, the gorilla, I'm sorry, jealous of the gorilla and she wants the, the attention of Dylan Walsh to be directed toward her. Number one, his haircut is fucking atrocious, so I don't know why she's trying to get his attention anyway. But number two, trying to get <laughs> the attention of the guy that loves and obviously is fucking the gorilla by like insulting the gorilla in front of him <laughs> isn't the way to like direct his attention toward her. You know what's funny about that haircut you mentioned? Like 10 years later, 2009-ish, well, uh, this professor is supposed to be from UC Berkeley, right? And I meet PhD from UC Berkeley, and he has that exact same haircut. So I think it's just a Berkeley thing. Hold on a second. The PhD from Berkeley, is that the person that you're talking about that you drove up in order to do that thing at Berkeley that, that, that some years ago? That's the PhD from no, Berkeley? No, 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 no. Different guy. Coworker, previous coworker. Coworker, okay. Yeah, that right. same haircut. So I think it's a Berkeley thing. I'm just gonna go with that. <laughs> all right. So I, I I have to bring this up for a second because Ernie Ernie Hudson does this really weird accent in the movie, and his accent I can't place it, but nearest I can tell, it's supposed to be like this weird like mid Atlantic accent that they used to teach film stars back in the day to like place them as like being high society, but not being part of a particular region. And I think it's worth noting because like his accent is fucking bizarre in this movie. Dude. I think he's probably from he's probably from Baltimore, but then he moved to Africa at kind of a young age and he's picked up all the different accents down there. So it's oh. a kind of mix of everything, you know, <laughs> See? it makes perfect sense, Gabe. Does it? Don't worry about Is it. it. All right. So, Don't worry about it. <laughs> so when they're in that like negotiation scene that you were talking about earlier with the sesame cake thing, Grant Heslov says like, this is very Kafka. And that dude leans down and yells like, who's Kafka? Who do I know? Where's Kafka? I want to talk to him. And it's supposed to be funny, but it's just insulting because it's like, ah, look how ignorant these people are. But this guy speaks fluent English. 
like in order to speak fluent English, wouldn't at some point somebody had mentioned Kafka to him or he would know about, given that Kafka has been translated in like 230 languages, is there some world where this might've been can, just like a fucking You can know joke? a language without knowing any literature, Gabe, all right? Let's, uh, let's back It's up. contextual <laughs> on the culture, bro. Like this It has, saying. yeah, there's some uh, definite racism here and how it deals with the African people. But then at the same time, it has a good, good scene where the the other guy from berkeley he stays back and they're sitting he's sitting with a couple of the porters outside of the temple and he's like oh what's your name and uh he asks the porter what his name is and the, the porter says oh it's uh what is it it's like clyde or claude yeah. claude and uh where are you from and yeah, yeah. There's a oh, whole... right, 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 right. I remember that. Forget where he's from, but he's like, "Oh, that's an unusual name, Claude, for someone from Africa." And he's like, "Have you ever been here, you asshole?" <laughs> <laughs> so... That that was. So they make comment. fun of it. I, I did like that. That that was. They make fun, fun of the stereotypes, but at the same time, Africa's uh, it's a very diverse and crazy place. So you have to. <laughs> but at the same it's, time, it's people who the speak only people English that don't live are the white people. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, that's, that's no, very... no. Ernie Hudson breaks breaks the whole black man being the first guy oh. to die. You know. <laughs> yeah, sorry, er, Ernie be... Hudson is the one person that makes it the, the exactly the yeah. one person of color that made it out of the jungle alive. Everyone else was just killed off, bop, 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 as you went along. I, I was I was that's watching it the whole this time. Movie. I'm like, it's, oh it's man, a this movie where the kills build up and yeah, you know. But when you start the movie and you're people. like, oh, well, I guess uh, Grant Heslov is definitely going to die. He's not making it out. Both of you guys talked to me on a second about like this. This Something <laughs> really bothered me is that when they're jumping out of the plane and they're ready to like parachute into the jungle, it's obvious that what's his nuts is like really attached to Amy and like he won't leave her side and all this other shit. But like Ernie grabs her and like jumps out of the plane with amy and like the other dude is dylan walsh is like completely okay with like this prize gorilla that he's in love with like jumping out of the plane with this guy that he like barely knows well it gets that ernie hudson is in charge and knows what he's doing and does he uh, well i don't think he's, he's, he's ever jumped out of the plane since, before so. he's fucked up since the moment he stepped set foot on the tarmac dude like all ernie hudson has met with him is like disappointment like every single layer of this thing with Ernie Hudson's relationship with these people has been met with disappointment. Like, so hold on, just with that as well, because one of the things that I found most interesting is everyone is able to pick up Amy with no problems whatsoever. <laughs> like, how much well, does a female okay. gorilla weigh? Like, two hundred pounds, right? Something about that, and they're all like, "Oh, look at me! I have Arnold muscles." But. <laughs> But the person in the suit only weighs 110 pounds, dude. So let's yeah. let's get this right. Like that's why I think I she's a, a lightweight gorilla. It's fine. <laughs> but they make a whole point of how they're she's been on that giving dirt. the gorilla drugs and the bananas to keep her calm. Oh, uh, so it's the Berkeley diet. Like a previous was that? Yeah, the Berkeley diet. The Berkeley <laughs> diet. Just don't eat anything. Hemp. <laughs> There you go. You want some chia seed? Boom. You're good to go, gorilla. The moment with like the heat seeking missiles and like them taking the flare gun and shooting it outside. Oh, yeah. you know, it's classic right there. Why, classic. man? Like why why? Because <laughs> it was exciting, Gabe. No, it's not. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. 
they needed to make it hard they had to fill in like 20 more minutes of them going through the jungle they had all these scenes with the giant hippopotamus attack <laughs> and the best part you know of course is when he gets when he wake up in their camp and he has a, a leech on his dick and they have to burn it off oh. so he burns it none off of those scenes, none of those scenes could happen if the plane could just fly over the border and drop them right at the site that they needed to get to so you know they had to i will had say to shoot the plane down and they had a nice excuse to make some cool like techno bullshit happen with heat-seeking missiles and flare guns and yeah. all that i will say the leech thing reminded me of the film that we did back in new mexico oh, right <laughs> plan b yeah i, I we did the short we did the short for the 48 hour film festival in albuquerque where we got i think it was like uh comedy or whatever was our category but we did the short but this guy that wakes up after a one night stand that has like this horrifying like venereal disease that's taken over his dick and that's what paul was talking about earlier about having seen trip's testicles this isn't like <laughs> trip is a flasher and he just whips out his testicles at any moment. it's more of that thank, thank you for clarifying short. that i'm sorry i just i had to <laughs> I had to clarify it because Trip Trip was wearing like this uh what was it like a dancing cod piece yeah. and uh every time he whipped open the towel in order to show his friend in the film like this horrifying like venereal disease a testicle was seeking out of the side of the <laughs> cod piece. Thank God I didn't see any of that being behind the camera like you guys had to deal with it on your own. <laughs> But Added to the realism. <laughs> is it, is like, this where you guys got that idea from? I'm just curious. What? This this movie? Yeah. Fuck no, man. We no, talked about it in the don't. short. It's from Quato, man. Like the guy rips open his shirt and he's got, you know, from Total Recall, he's got Quato on his chest. He's like, uh, the air, the oh. air. <laughs> oh. that's, where got that's where I got it from. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, <laughs> Paul, uh, just a second. So Amy, when when they're on the ground and she's doing like Laura Linney is connected back home with like satellite or the the satellite like dish and whatever. Amy runs by because she's a fucking gorilla, and for some reason this really trained gorilla like happens to act out like a fucking crazy person every once in a while. But she runs by and she knocks over the satellite dish. And is this supposed to be like suspension of disbelief because of 90s technology? But like the satellite dish just tips over. It's not like she picked it up and like <laughs> threw it. But it like completely destroys the fucking uplink satellite dish just because she knocked it over when she was galloping by. They had to do that so they would send the next expedition. That plane would get shot down <laughs> and then it would leave them the hot air balloon for the final <laughs> escape. Okay. Why, Otherwise why, it would why, never have worked. Why didn't they have a hot air balloon? <laughs> on this fucking expedition oh they did it blew up it blew up yeah you're right yeah you're right. come not, on all right so trip thank you for fucking <laughs> zeroing in on this airtight scream it all makes sense game hot air once you like you start <laughs> trying to poke holes in it but it all holds together <laughs> yeah come on gabe you know the satellite uplink stuff was made in china so it wasn't made that well so the ring got knocked over obviously whoa 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 sorry china <laughs> Back, back up. China. Right. Perfect. I, I just, I, I, I want to preface this by saying that Trip just had a Trump moment. Oh. He doesn't mean what he's trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> so. To, to summarize up into this point, the only objective of these main characters, Dylan Walsh and Laura Linney, is to, quote, teach the apes in the wild to speak. 
without any research facilities and just wandering through the jungle expecting no, no, to find no, no, no shut shut up for a second <laughs> and to quote find the diamond for telecommunications for, all right so again back to the 90s no. technology am i this stupid to believe that like they're looking for diamonds for telecommunications these are the vaguest objectives i've ever seen in a movie man like he's just gonna wander through the fucking jungle until he finds like this group of silverbacks is gonna like somehow accept amy and just like start speaking english which that leads me to a further point later where she starts speaking english to them and she gets all fucking pissed off that they don't congregate around her i'm like what the fuck this is an english speaking ape and she's confused on why they don't want to come towards her get the fuck out of here like how, how did she he had, expect this she was had gonna that work? moment in her character where she realized that uh, she's gonna have to leave all of her old life behind to get with the hot male gorilla so <laughs> she realizes that she's not gonna fit in unless she ditches all the old the arm and uh, you know the sign language and all that but she's okay with that right so okay so back to no 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 before you go on it's i think it's fun because all the different characters have their own motivations for going on this expedition, right? You get Laura Linney. She's actually going to find her fiance. Actually, she didn't give a shit about Bruce the diamond. Cam Bruce Campbell. Yeah. yeah, she's going to find Bruce Campbell because he disappeared. She's hoping against all hope that he's still alive. I forgot say. about that, Paul. So thank you for poking another hole uh, in my but, trying to find holes in this shit all right but and so <laughs> then you know the the berkeley guy he wants to take amy back home he doesn't really care about teaching any of the other gorillas he just wants to you know take her back home because that's the right thing to do <laughs> then there's herkimer homolka tim curry he wants to find the lost city of zinge and he just wants the diamonds right that is the worst and name <laughs> <laughs> and then and then uh, Ernie Hudson just wants to get all these dumbass white people back alive from the jungle. <laughs> That's all he cares about. So, but see, they all have their own motivations, right? Well, what but was then, the mo what was the motivation behind singing California Dreaming and having that like sing along at the edge of the river? It's uh, it's breaking the stereotype that these uh, these porters are like these ignorant people who've lived in the jungle their whole life and they've never heard like music, and so it's a breaking the stereotype. It's like is, showing is that, them was that, that the point of the not scene? these like you know jungle Africans? They're you know. They're, they're aware of the <laughs> cultures outside of Africa. All right. So if, if, if showing me that these people are cultured <laughs> is them singing California Dreaming, I fucking pity the world, man. Like that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if, if that's their point of contact for culture and showing the white man that they're like cultured in some way is California Dreaming. I would rather still be like fucking subjugated by the white man than have to like sing the California Dreaming song in front of a white man in order to show him that he should respect me. Well, that's like your opinion, man. I don't know about that. Uh, I don't think it's a bad song, Gabe. Why you gotta hate? <laughs> so just a beautiful moment. They were just trying to make a beautiful no, moment and no. together by forcing the white culture on to these people, Gabe. Come on. So talk talk to me about how Tim Curry all of a sudden wants the talking gorilla in order to show him where Zenga is, right? Oh, I thought he wanted that the whole time. Did he? Zinge. Zinge, I'm sorry. I don't give a shit because like <laughs> they're important details, Gabe. All right, all right, I'm sorry. Zinge. So 
all of a sudden everybody just like agrees to like watch this like talking gorilla like tell them where they should be going whether it's dylan walsh like wanting her in order to find the apes that could presumably talk english if this ape somehow i'm sorry gorilla i keep saying ape i'm sorry for the simian enthusiasts out there but like somehow he's expecting the gorilla in order to bring him his fruition of his ideas and tim curry is like riding on the gorilla and fucking laura linney is riding on the gorilla like why is everybody riding on this gorilla when this gorilla obviously has an idea IQ of like less than 70 like a five-year-old is like trying to lead them through the fucking woods on top of the fact that this gorilla <laughs> has never been in the fucking jungle but all of a sudden we have to believe no the gorilla grew no, up no, in the jungle shut up and for was a second. kidnapped and brought back when to the when States. when when okay because in order to ta- teach a gorilla they in order to talk right and like do sign man. get the fuck <laughs> They get, right in the beginning, they show that the gorilla has been painting these pictures of the jungle. Yeah, I and get that. I there's get a reoccurring that. theme of the golden eye in the jungle. How how long Her has the gorilla Homoka sees <laughs> the paintings and thinks that Amy has seen the eye from the city of Zinj? How he long has the ring that has the little twisty thing? How long? <laughs> He shows the how ring, long, the eyes. How long was the gorilla in the jungle versus captivity? That's what I want to know. Because it's something that they didn't know. go they into in the fucking... That. Did they go into it in the book? Because I'm not going to read the fucking book remember. for this movie in order to talk <laughs> about this piece of shit. I don't remember. But it's <laughs> obvious that the gorilla was taken against its will, as many gorillas are. They're captured and sold off through black markets and ended up in California in this professor's uh, you know, office and everything like <laughs> like that that's how it happened doesn't matter how or why it just did but the group grew up in the jungle all right all right god damn <laughs> get your shit together gabe right. you're gonna have fine. to do better than that uh, to take uh, down this movie <laughs> i don't think i need to take down this movie paul it's already happened man <laughs> so i real quick this is this is going back to like early 90s like action year films right ernie hudson does not know how to aim on this fucking movie he puts the gun up to his shoulder but he never looks down the sight and it's fucking atrocious man like <laughs> is this guy that's like supposedly survived in this like war-torn africa and being familiar enough in order to like handle these kind of automatic weapons somehow like still hitting shit by not actually aiming or is this just to show off ernie hudson's face because at one point <laughs> Ernie Hudson was actually good, known as like a fucking sex symbol of like the 80s film, man. Like it was fucking No, nah, man. I think he's hot in this movie. He's very roguish. Yeah. Does that does that get you going? He's just like- a badass. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a badass in this movie. He doesn't have to aim by looking at the sights. He just has a sight picture in his mind when he holds up the gun and he knows where it's going to shoot. So, but I mean, in the beginning of the movie, when they're like shooting at the the gorillas that are attacking them, no one hits shit. But then at the end, when the the end scene in the diamond mine, he's like killing gorillas left and right. Right? <laughs> he's aiming. I think he's aiming. We'll, we'll get to that in a second because I got some huge grievances in order to bring up with that. But how does how does Doctor Dickhead somehow know where Amy was born? Is it because he somehow knew like the chain of custody with Amy, like having imported her from Africa? Because that being the case, like he's even a worse piece of shit to Amy than we had ever spoke of before. Because in the movie, they never talk about where she was from, but somehow he just knows where to go. He needs to go to Zaire and he needs to like drop Amy into the middle of the jungle 
and she's going to lead them wherever the fuck they need to lead them, whatever. But it doesn't make any fucking sense, dude. <laughs> Did Amy like talk to him in immense detail about where she was from? Obviously post-coitus <laughs> laying there well, on the pillow. And like- I mean, back in the 90s, there were very few pockets of mountain gorillas in the world. So they already had a pretty good guess of where she came from. They probably got some story from some poacher or something that kidnapped her out of there, whatever. Wait, is this- So is- they know. Is this contextualized somehow in the book or is just this something that you just know? Uh, something that I know. I think it's probably contextualized in the book, but uh, it's been a long time since I've read it. Also, yeah, Amy probably just told him she's like, I'm from these coordinates. <laughs> Take me back there. She, she's so, got it down. Going back to Ernie Hudson being a stupid piece of shit. So <laughs> in the middle of the movie, in the middle of the movie, they're like on the edge of that like mountain ridge and like Ernie Hudson holds up a compass in order to like navigate wherever they're going, right? But he holds up, okay, so first off, I was a Boy Scout. I'm, I'm not going to like hide that fact. I wasn't molested if that's what you're wondering. <laughs> I was taught, thought at first. <laughs> I was taught how to use a compass, okay? Especially a sight wire compass, which is what he's using in this movie. He pulls open the compass so that way the sight wire is at 90 degrees to the compass face and he holds it up at arm's length and does like some sort of like range finding thing where he moves it back and forth and he's just like, oh yeah, 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 we're going this way. That is not how you use a sight wire compass. There's a little <laughs> magnifying glass on the back of the sight wire compass that you fold it into a 45 degree angle and then you put your hand through the thumb hook and then you hold it up to your eye in order to find the zenith of what you're trying to find before you look at the dial. But Ernie Hudson, who is somehow like this surviving <laughs> guy that like is trying to lead them through the wilderness, can't figure, fucking figure out how to use a compass. This is very, think, very bad. I think he's just that badass, Gabe, that he doesn't have to look oh, through the sight. <laughs> just like he doesn't need sights in his life. He doesn't need gun sights. He doesn't need compass sights. He just knows how to do it. <laughs> that much of a badass all right yeah. all right fine Absolutely. okay all right so I'll, I'll give you that but for a second they come to the classic fork in the road scenario and they decide that they're going to follow the gorilla is as much as a badass as ernie hudson supposedly is all of a sudden he decides oh you know what we're at this fork in the road we're going to follow the gorilla that's okay even though this gorilla hasn't been here even though i've been here i'm going to follow the fucking gorilla tell me how you justify that paul go ahead come on come on, come on. <laughs> They already know where the gorilla's from and they want to go where the gorilla wants to go. That's it. <laughs> All right. So I, I just, I want to bring up dumb, <laughs> dumb fuck. This is dumb fuck moment number 65,333 <laughs> in this movie. Amy tries to communicate in sign language and English to the gorillas who live in the wild. Then she gets discouraged when they don't talk back. Is this supposed to make me sad, Paul? Or... <laughs> she starts doing sign language and speaking in English, and then all of a sudden they don't answer back. There's this really dramatic moment between her and Dr. Ape copulation where <laughs> they like look gorilla sad copulation. at each other. Gorilla, I'm sorry, again with the simian enthusiasts out there, I apologize. But Dr. Gorilla copulation and her look at each other and they have this glassy moment where it's like, oh my God, that's so tragic that they didn't talk to us. Oh, I, how did that happen? Come on. So, I mean, it, for, <laughs> this is stupid. for me, I, I think the big thing was that was the part of the movie where it like cemented for me. Like, why the fuck did you take this gorilla <laughs> back to the jungle? She is obviously <laughs> domesticated. She's not going to survive. <laughs> She's going to die. You are taking her out here to leave in the jungle and die. <laughs> terrible people. <laughs> she can't communicate with her own kind anymore. Yeah. So yeah. 
I mean, that that was me. I was like, wow, wow, this this uh, this Berkeley doctor is probably. I think actually he is fleeing the country because everyone knows that he's a terrible person and he is <laughs> trying to murder gorillas by ha sending them out on their own into the wild after spending so much time in captivity. Or fucking ape. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, it was a it was a beautiful, heartfelt moment because Amy has spent her years in captivity all, you know, all alone by herself, but she's learned to somehow bridge bridge that gap between herself and the humans. She's learned to communicate and share her her love with them. But then she comes back to her former life and forgets forgets the ways of the gorilla. Paul. And demonstrates her, her her sign language to them, but they don't understand. Paul. She's an outcast in both worlds. I'm just saying, I'm Carol Baskin Paul. would not approve. <laughs> Thank you, Trip, for bringing up the most white trash <laughs> fucking thing that's ever existed. <laughs> just, just throw it out there, you know. Carol Baskin, she's got, she's got everyone's best interests at heart, and she would have had Annie's best interests at heart while charging everybody fifty dollars. Just to go and see her as she parades her around. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't, I can't grant it. I, I can't grant it. It's white trash enforcing grant white trash. I'm actually wondering if <laughs> Doctor Berkeley was working for Carol Baskin. Like I'm just let's 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 move on. Let's get past the Tiger King influence here and let's talk about Tim Curry again. <laughs> so they they get to the, the the big finale. They end up in the loss. I'm sorry, I, I got to quote this. Is Tim Curry horribly delivered it and like this. <laughs> fucking romanian accent Z it is the city of zinge see the eyes <laughs> fuck you tim curry whoa no dude weird. okay so any any respect <laughs> that i would have had for tim curry or that i used to have for tim curry <laughs> it was definitely undone watching this movie for a second time because uh, like tim that's that's not fair that's not fair how is that not fair because you can't judge person for having to cash one paycheck with everything <laughs> else they've done i'm sorry rocky horror picture show uh yeah, yeah, yeah. hunt for red october <laughs> legend legend yeah like, like I, I will even give him disney's the three musketeers you know like <laughs> oh shit i forgot about that movie oh, <laughs> oh don't forget God. he was also uh mr bigglesworth the clown and it or whatever oh. yes dude bro <laughs> oh my god Holy shit. Two. Come on. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, he's the concierge. Yep. And see, he's yeah. got a wonderful career going for him. And you know, I think this movie just highlights his talents as an actor. Two, two, Fuck, two Paul, I spent all that work. <laughs> his credit bro I, I will give him that he's in this very weird niche society of actors where it's like can play anything weird looking motherfucker and it's like him and Udo Kier and they can play anything and no matter how fucking bad the movie is or how bad they are in the movie you like somehow buy it and Tim Curry I'm never gonna like take him seriously enough in order to be like give that man an Oscar he's been working hard like Ed Harris for the last 30 years but like I will look at Tim Curry and be like you know what it's all right. He's just got like that devilish, like Cheshire cat smile. And why the fuck? <laughs> all right, hang on. <laughs> so why the fuck hasn't he been cast in like 
a live action remake of Alice in Wonderland. Like he would be the perfect oh, Tim Curry. Like Tim Curry would be the perfect Cheshire cat, man. Seriously. With that smile and imagine him like hanging out next to the fucking caterpillar and smoking hemp out of the hookah. <laughs> that shit would be dope, man. I would pay. Do you think that. he'd be like dressed up in the same kind of uh, costume as the, the cat movie as in cats? Oh, I should, I should oh. know. <laughs> <laughs> with the facial makeup but then weird you know maybe, half maybe. Human, half cat body you know if tim curry was in cats i probably would have watched that piece of shit but given that he wasn't given that he wasn't i couldn't sit through it even for idris elba man like uh, that's a dark dark moment on so many careers right there <laughs> I'm so glad uh, Hugh Jackman turned that down. It would have killed it for me. Dude, hey. Paul brought it up last week that we should go and try to review that on this fucking podcast. I was like, I cannot. Seven and a half minutes is as far as I get the four <laughs> times I've tried to watch it. I've tried to watch it four times. Y'all are going to need to get, get someone else seven. for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys should wait though until you get, uh, you know, advertising so that you'd be able to pay them. Just trying to help you guys out here. Or sit through that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Paul, the, the whole movie is leading up to us seeing these gray gorillas that are like standing around the temple, right? And that they're supposed to be like the guardians of the temple. But 75 minutes of a 109 minute movie, we're sitting here waiting for the fucking gray gorillas to show up just like uh jaws you know you don't see the shark for like do not do not (laughs) it's all about building up the tension it's a monster movie you're not supposed to reveal the monster like too soon man you can't all right so when they gotta hold back when they do reveal the guy in the monkey suit that's supposed to be so terrifying and scares Grant to death, they they show this fucking gorilla in eight frames per second, which was a huge <laughs> thing. A huge <laughs> thing back in the 90s is when something was like really intense is put it in eight frames a second. That way it's like smeary and like jagged, but they show it in eight frames a second. And then the fucking gorilla throws the head like a rugby <laughs> ball. <laughs> It just bounces off the dude's chest and lands on the ground. That's probably one of my favorite kills in the movie. (laughs) Why did they wait? Why did they wait until after this moment in order to pull out those fucking sweet ass laser guided sentry guns, bro? You know, like they waited until now in order to bring I mean they didn't they didn't know what they were dealing with until they had the first run in. Oh, they knew. They knew. There was all that shit about the hieroglyphics and shit. Which why wait, wait, hang on a second. Why are hieroglyphics? See, they still they because Herkimer Hamolka is such a unsavory character, they don't want to believe him because they just think he's full of shit throughout the whole thing. So even if they see the hieroglyphics and you know some bad stuff has happened they don't want to believe that there's these gray gorillas that are killing everyone i mean (laughs) come on man that's way too hard to believe that until they have to actually see it for themselves then they're ready with their their sweet ass lasers so aliens century gun thing here's my thing so the the gray gorillas are attacking them in that scene right and then they run away and then a tree falls down and breaks the lasers and breaks the sentry guns but oh no no it's okay we're good everyone <laughs> left even though our defenses are compromised it's all good everybody we go to sleep like that's yeah, fine <laughs> you're not protected <laughs> how stupid how stupid are these people paul i think they set out watches and stuff like that during the night so a couple people get sleep at least yeah <laughs> 
The only you, way you were trying really hard <laughs> to justify so, this. You're trying, you're trying really, really hard in order to get this sh- piece of shit movie as being like something that's worth watching. <laughs> I, I, I will say, I will say, just throw it out there. The thing that I did like when you finally do see the gorillas, because this was '95, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think they influenced the evil gorillas from the movie Evolution, which I really, I, I, I enjoyed that movie. You know, come on, head and shoulders, baby, all the way. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about talking about movie on this podcast. It's a good one. It's a good one. But I do think, I think they, you know, I think this movie probably paid for the gorilla costumes. Whoever the costume designer was, was just walking around like, oh, no one, no one's going for these. These are super cheap right now. I'm just going to take these and change them up a little bit. So I will say whoever, I think once you actually actually finally see the the gray gorillas like they're really creepy nasty looking things they're pretty effective they look like they have like, syphilis paul like that's yeah it. exactly like a- i mean they're they're ugly motherfuckers <laughs> but uh, i think they look good they don't, I don't know when like you finally <laughs> and they finally reveal like one turns around and there's the gorilla just standing there looking at him he's like ah yeah, I, I think that was effective. And <laughs> the end when they end up at the mine and you see all the gorillas like look in and Tim Curry's like grabbing all these diamonds off the ground and then he, he looks up and there's this one gorilla just like staring at him. Yeah, and he right. drops the I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that <laughs> up. He drops Paul. drops the diamonds and then he gets eaten and then his head gets smashed in like <laughs> yep, and yep. Probably yeah, that's the best kill of the movie <laughs> yeah. right there. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. That that is pretty great. Um, which is totally disturbing <laughs> because why the fuck would Tim Curry walk away from the group that has all the guns? Because <laughs> he, well, it shows it shows like his base character right there, his greed. They're right. like, been so driven to come exit. to this place, like despite being <laughs> broke, just just going through these the disastrous expeditions. He's got to get those diamonds man that's his whole thing so just a second paul because you guys bringing up as this being the best kill of the movie the if you remember the actual kill was like the the gorilla picks up the rock and like swings it down and they cut to a black screen there's a black screen for like half a second where they cut completely to black it's not even that they cut away they cut completely to black rather than show like i'm not saying that pg-13 all right hang on i'm not saying the pg-13 you could see a guy's head getting smashed in but in lord of the rings the third movie they picked up that giant <laughs> rock and they smashed that fucking orc's head in they smash the orc's, orc's head in and it rolls off and you see the smashed head and it's all concave on one side the other side's a little bit well, thick in the jaw orcs orcs aren't tim curry you can't show tim curry getting his head smashed with the rock so I, I, will, I will say that you can so an orc getting its head smashed Paul, Paul is but, correct because okay. it's it's human getting their head smashed in versus a humanoid. But I think what made that even more effective was that they cut away, but the sound effect was there, and the sound effect of was the pulping, like egg crushing sounds <laughs> was what made that even better. If they'd showed it, I, I don't know if it would worked as well, but just the sound of it smashing <laughs> that was the great part. <laughs> So it's it's a good thing through this last battle scene the the two surviving white people are getting out because I, I think that everybody in the theater would be really upset if they had to see a white person die other than Tim Curry. Oh, yeah, no, you that. can't you can't just have Ernie Hudson walking out of there alive. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it would be outrage on the streets. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People would come to the Capitol building. Uh, 
in Lauren's studio with their guns and stuff. <laughs> well, Protest. and the, the other good news is, and Paul, I mean, you, you know, being uh, the actual engineer here, uh, I guess you can attest to the fact that you really only need two minutes to set up a laser. You know, so thank God for that because, <laughs> man, yeah. she, you know, thank God Laura okay. Lenny was able to just, you know, grab any perfectly cut <laughs> diamond laying on the ground, you know. <laughs> in order to fit into her laser to save everybody. So there is some like real truth behind different crystals being used in laser systems as frequency doublers and things like that. But you have to have a flawless crystal that is, you know, perfectly cut on They mentioned sides. it's flawless. So, so, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a huge so, stretch. So like I mean, one that you find on the ground, you know, just perfectly <laughs> yeah. cut. I mean, it, it, well, no, so, she grabbed so it out of her that husband's shit in like a hand. clip, bro. <laughs> Yeah. And the fact that the laser works like immediately two minutes. Yeah, I know. It's it's a stretch, but the payoff oh, is I gold. Got, I, I mean, got both a stretch. It was a stretch. <laughs> the payoff makes everything worth it when she fucking cuts all those gorillas down, cuts them in half, and you see them like burning. As I mean, the actual <laughs> effects look pretty real for what a high-powered laser would do to to a person. So I mean, that's that's fine. All right, so yeah. let's jump ahead for a second on the realism. <laughs> Puts the laser in the fucking thing and like the uh, the translation stage in order to point it at the satellite. And she's like talking to Joe Don Baker and she says the shit about like, oh, you know what a fucking laser, blah, 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 blah. And she shoots the laser at the fucking satellite. And somehow it goes through everything, including the ionosphere and the mesosphere and like goes into space and destroys the fucking satellite. Yeah. No, I, I'd say that's realistic. No. How, how, I mean, the, how, the atmosphere, how? the atmosphere clears up. It gets much thinner like, but I mean, uh, even, pretty quickly, like, even so like you're a aiming two it watt, up. <laughs> even like a two watt laser won't make it past the ionosphere. Like it's a big thing because they won't sell any like privatized lasers past like one watt or whatever in order to be available to the public. Not that these guys are the public, like they're obviously a research firm doing some crazy shit. But how well, it's obviously that, not a two watt laser. How it's... powerful would that laser that is fucking battery pack, fucking <laughs> hip born laser be in order to get past? the atmosphere in order to get to space <laughs> that's that's what i want to know i mean it's at least a couple kilowatts maybe yeah. even megawatts get the fuck out of here <laughs> well, so, so hold- i know the batteries <laughs> can't do that but you, there are lasers that uh, are capable of that uh, and I'm- i mean there's recently an astronomy club took one an off-the-shelf like blue laser and lit up the international space station from the ground <laughs> So, I mean, you can, really? and I mean, pilots and stuff. I mean, people blind pilots all the time with green lasers that they just buy off eBay. Yeah, green so lasers are fucking dangerous, though. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. wavelength but, is right I there. I mean, to get the power up to a level that you can actually destroy things with it, and you need a lot. So, <laughs> I, I do. But I, that's I, the whole, like, the. The blue diamond is what makes that happen, right? All right, but Somehow Joe, Joe, Joe Don <laughs> Baker, Joe Don Baker dropping this knowledge of that it's a twelve thousand channel chip. What the <laughs> fuck? 
Like this is some techno speak that doesn't mean anything. Get the fuck out of here. It's just I mean, it's lasers, it's, man. Like if lasers. It's a, if it's a laser amplifier and each channel is like a milliwatt, maybe it has 12,000 yeah, 12, milliwatts, milliwatts is 1.2 <laughs> megawatts. Again, the fucking battery pack. Get the fuck out of here. Come on. I, I do want to pose. It's that- got a blue diamond, man. You don't you can't get that anywhere else. That's why it's so good. Don't I want to understand. I want to pose that the reason that the laser is so powerful is because Congo, the universe that this takes place in, is actually the same universe as Stargate. Because okay. Stargate. when I was watching, okay, because when I was watching, <laughs> the very first thing you hear is someone over the speaker, right? It's, like, it's this kind of blaring and then someone talking on the microphone and it's the exact same alarm that stargate uses in there and oh, anytime sure. in the show that something is going wrong you hear this alarm going off and it sounds pretty darn close to the person that says the warnings over the megaphone as well like i was like what? paul paul pause for a second let's clap a trip for being the biggest nerd in the room right now <laughs> you fucking nerd <laughs> get the fuck out of here <laughs> Hey, no, that's good, man. Saying. I, you know, I haven't even watched Star. Is that just Stargate the film? Or, because it's been years since I've seen the Kurt Russell thing. No, but like, that's just the film. The You're film. talking about that's, the TV show, right? Yeah, it's a TV show, SG One. Your wife is like such a huge fan of that. It like always blew my mind. How the hell do you think like, I've seen them all? I I remember seeing like a few episodes of the first season. I was like, what the fuck and it's like <laughs> no, no Kurt Russell. I don't care. Like fuck this. I don't care. But like your wife is like so latched onto it that it really actually blows my mind because it's like, it can't be that good, right? Like, I, I don't know if you've seen the whole series or whatever up until now, but I, I, I want to get like your genuine like reaction on this because like Stargate SG-1, like I remember the movie and the movie, the movie was like, it kind of really had this like soft spot in my heart with like Kurt Russell, bad movies like Once Upon a Time in China and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> was the tv show actually worth something because i never invested past those few episodes that i watched i i think it's one of those things that unless you are willing to forego the fact that it's really old now i i, I really enjoyed it I, I still haven't watched stargate universe but did all of sg1 did all of atlantis all the movies and damn i i think i think it's actually quite fun i think uh that first season might not have been my favorite and then nearing the end of sg1 when they lost macgyver can't remember his name but when they when they lose him it's like who who the hell is this other person okay (laughs) and he kind of grows on you but the whole team (laughs) dynamic that they have built up over eight seasons is money i i enjoyed it and then i got laura to watch all of uh, star wars clone wars so Damn, dude, that's that's an investment, man. Uh, I w- I'll say if you guys haven't watched the Clone Wars, it's possibly my favorite Star Wars, and I'm a Star Wars nerd. Happy for it. I was having an argument with someone yesterday <laughs> about Darth Vader, the largest uh, death uh, star destroyer in the Imperial fleet, which is uh-huh. the Devastator. It's Vader's ship that you see. I want to say it's in the second. Oh shit, is it? Yeah, yeah. Super Star Destroyer, right? Yeah, right. it's in it's an Empire Strikes Back. That's what right. that's what it is. Yes, Super Star Destroyer. We can call the Devastator. <laughs> you probably nerd out on all this stuff too. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I will say the, this last season of Star Wars Clone Wars that's going on right now. The last couple of episodes they're doing in parallel 
to the mm. Revenge of the Sith, mm. and it's fucking incredible. So sorry, <laughs> small small tangent, super nerdy. <laughs> no, no, the tangents are fine because we went into this like deep route, like shit with Star Wars, where I was talking some shit about Star Wars, and Paul get the like, fuck out, freak the fuck out. Hang on. <laughs> Because <laughs> Paul like freaked the fuck out because I was talking about how much I loved Ryan Johnson's version of Star Wars oh, Episode Eight, you. The Last Jedi. <laughs> Get the fuck, <laughs> dude! All right, all right. We're not we're not gonna go into that right now because <laughs> it's gonna have to be a follow up episode. Because <laughs> this this was something that Paul and I like railed against each other at length in the first episode about how. Star Wars Episode Nine was trying to undo everything that Ryan Johnson did, but it did a half-ass job because it didn't give a shit about anything that had to do with Star Wars because J.J. Abrams is a fucking hack. But besides the point, we're not we're not going to go into Star Wars right now. But we're going to have to do this on a follow-up episode. But we're going to go back to this movie for a second, okay? <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> I want to talk about do we have the to lava anymore? No, no, no. I want to talk about the lava for a second, all right? And you think it couldn't get any better. <laughs> the volcano goes off, and you get some fucking amazing lava action. Dante's where, Peak type shit. <laughs> where, where the gorillas decide that they need to leap into the lava. Oh, and my that God. that part had me Dude, laughing so that? hard. Oh, my God. <laughs> the gorillas just start leaping. Wait, wait. Was, was, your, was your first reaction when you first saw this movie to laugh at it or was it like years yeah. later when you rewatched it? No, I think I laughed when the gorillas started jumping into the lava. It was just too funny what not to laugh. <laughs> Seriously, I remember seeing this movie when I saw it in 97 and being like, I remember sort of blacking this entire moment out. I remember <laughs> there was something to do about lava and then there was like gorillas like trying to t- overtake them in the lava. But I thought it was that like gorillas were like trying to run ahead and the lava was overtaking them or whatever. But then when I saw it again, just this last week, I was just like, what the fuck? Like they're jumping into the shit. The ambient heat from lava, even from six feet away is like enough that you can't stand next to it. But these gorillas, I mean, has this happened before? And like, they just, is this like, is this like a war boys thing from fucking Mad Max Fury Road where they spray the chrome and they're like, witness. Yeah. I oh think yeah, if you played that over and they're all yelling out witness as they jump into the lava, it, it makes more Dude, sense. Dude, that would have made this movie exponentially better. <laughs> I will say, like, once they get out of the, the mine or whatever, and there's this crazy earthquake <laughs> thing where the the ground's ripping open, like yeah. It looked pretty cool. However, they did those effects where the ground's it's rippling. It's a stage. It's a stage. Yeah, it looked hydraulic. good to me. It looked good. I don't know if it was miniatures or a stage. It but looked I like a it looked stage. Cool. It looked like a fucking stage, Paul. Come on, man. Like you know better than this, dude. How many movies have you seen? You know it's a fucking stage with hydraulic fucking platforms that are making it look like it's the ground. All right. Well, they did a good job with their hydraulics. So kudos to whoever designed the the set <laughs> or whatever effect that was, because I thought it looked cool. And I mean, like when when volcanoes are going off. Uh, I was recently in Hawaii. I mean, you think that it only happens in movies, but the ground really can just split open and volcano like lava oh, yeah, for sure. start shooting out of the ground uh, especially especially on the rim of fire which is the pacific ocean but in yeah. fucking zaire <laughs> i want to contextualize yeah, well, again <laughs> paul uh, i'm sorry no, i'm sorry have no you been rift. to zaire have you been no to zaire? but there's no, no rift that no, runs down the, the middle you know? of the- <laughs> shut the fuck up 
<laughs> there's no rift that runs yeah. down the middle of Africa, bro. You know, like this isn't going to happen. This could happen no, there, in California. There, you know, there like, are active volcanoes in Ethiopia, I believe, or uh, one of those countries up there. Like, all right, Ethiopia and Zaire yeah, are completely different right. places. I don't know if you knew yeah. this. Or not. All right, so the geography, you know, you have to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, because like in Jurassic great. Park, there's no island off the coast of costa rica where you can build a giant jurassic <laughs> park thing you can't do that because it doesn't exist but oh no. location get the Sometimes. no <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna dog this movie into the same fucking realm as jurassic park dude it's not gonna happen i'm sorry this movie exists because jurassic park happened man i mean <laughs> yeah but Jurassic Park was a good movie and that forcing this to happen, especially since Jurassic Park is like the 20th of all time <laughs> grossing movie. And this doesn't even place. It's the fucking 1,135th film of all time. I mean, 1,000 out of how many hundreds of thousands of films have been out there? That's not bad. Does that matter? <laughs> it's top 1%, dude. Dude, I could... <laughs> I could shit out a movie that would make more money than this tomorrow if I wanted to. You know, what I mean? uh, that no, would be. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> no, no. See, yeah, yeah, you get all that. Yeah. All right, fine. <laughs> I will, I will, I will recant on my ability in order to top Congo '95. I, I will say, at the end of this, I kept expecting one of the bad gorillas to show up. And I was kind of sad that they didn't. Well, like if one these of the are the ones? super, huh? One of the gray ones? Yeah. Because if these are the super insane, you know, super active, massive killers that are able to jump everywhere, how is it that out of the, <laughs> what, 100 or so gray gorillas that were guarding this place, none of them were able to get out of there because they didn't want to get out i mean their their mind got destroyed so they just jumped into the lava Wait, you see They're this like, movie well, there's nothing left to protect now let's fucking kill ourselves this movie didn't make enough money in order for them to make congo too like you'll oh, never know uh, yeah no you know sequel. what you know seriously maybe they should revisit uh, that <laughs> yeah, <the> asylum movie <laughs> Dude, if Asylum made this like two hundred thousand dollar Congo two picture, I might watch it. Like, I've seen a lot of Asylum movies over the years. Is I would I would watch a Asylum produced straight to TV slash streaming Congo two picture. I might see it just because I know it's gonna be fucking terrible. Like Sharknado is the worst fucking thing that's ever happened to cinema. I, I can't stress that enough. Like that that's that's about as low as it gets is Sharknado. Pay for my wedding. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no no no. I, I wanna I wanna preface this because Trip used to work for the asylum and I'll I'll say that like they're a billion dollar company and blah 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 blah. And I don't know how much they paid Trip, but like Trip did pay for his wedding having worked on some really bad asylum pictures over the years. We'll say I because you know, their model is really smart right they know exactly what they're making they know that they've got a market for it and they fill that market like from a business standpoint <laughs> makes total sense um dude i, I sat through atlantic or atlantic rim too <laughs> because of a friend of mine was in it and jesus christ like that's a lot man like it's a lot i know film students that are doing better digital work than the asylum is doing and i know that they cheap out and they're making like these three hundred thousand dollar movies and whatever but that's really high for an asylum budget are you talking about 150 how much was sharknado 4 you saw the one-liner uh so sharknado 4 
that so Sharknado is like their their one, right? So that yeah. one gets money. So everybody wants to work on that one. Everything so it was else, Sharknado four. I don't remember the <laughs> final. It, it was. I mean, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't like five million. It was under like three that. million. Probably somewhere in about that. Because you got to remember, they've got the the only thing that Sharknado really goes for, right? Is it's all about, or at least the one that I was on was all about the cameos. Like I yeah. remember Gary Busey showing up and just starting to fucking scream Gary. At, <laughs> oh God, Gary Busey yelled at me, and I had to yell back at him. It was awesome. It was frightening. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Go into that for a second because I remember you talking to me about Gary Busey and you texted me and you're like, holy shit, this guy's insane. It's like so much worse than Entourage. Yeah, but like, just, talk to me about Gary Busey for a second. So he played, uh, he played Tara Reed's father and I remember him trying to go back to the trailer. We were out in Santa Clarita in a terrible area. I think it was like a laboratory where they shot zombies. And so we were out there and he was running back to his trailer and he was screaming at a couple of the PAs. And I don't think they did anything. I don't even remember. It was just, you know, they, they were there. I think they might have delivered him lunch or something. <laughs> he was just like going at him. I'm like, hey, Gary, you doing okay? He's like, yes. I'm fine. Got any corned beef? And then I, I can't even remember if he, he went off on a tangent or something, but he just he walked away. And I had to go over and be like, guys, it's Gary Busey. Just just <laughs> stay away from him for a little bit, please. Make, make all of our lives person. easier. Oh, my God. <laughs> so let's, let's get back to this movie for a second. <laughs> so, Paul, the tree bridge that's coming up, mm -hmm. right? The tree bridge at the end where the lava's coming at him and like everybody's running across the tree bridge and like gorilla fucker is on the back end of the bridge and he can't <laughs> seem to get over the bridge without like slipping. He's an idiot, man. I'm sorry. Like this guy is the most inept <laughs> researcher I've ever seen in my life. He has no fucking like, how does he get grants being this fucking stupid? The world of academia is, uh, it's a different place. It's not the real world. Like there's a lot of people that couldn't live outside of that world and make it in the real world, you know? So I think they're just kind of making a point and uh, making fun of academics. Just one second, because like you have that sort of expertise and that like you've, you've been in that sort of like research, like grant, grant world. Like, is this at all sort of like, is this at all in line with re reality that like stupid people that are like higher ups are somehow like getting money? <laughs> I think that stuff happens a lot, actually. There's, I mean, there's it's huge pots of money. And a lot of the time it's just about what's fashionable to research or who you know to get the grants and you know a lot of the time it's uh kind of is that really how it is though is <laughs> it like who you know that you're gonna get grants or i thought it was all like merit-based applications in order to get like a research grant i'm sorry what world do you live in the 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 <laughs> non-trump research world <laughs> it's not not trump or not i mean the only way i i don't care what ever anyone was told when they were growing up where they were like you can be anything that you want you just have to try <laughs> your hardest and do your best no this is not how it is you got to schmooze your way in there you have to be a slime ball producer here you know it's, it's very much a you got to make sure people like you it's the, the the amount of people that do make it through <laughs> You know, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll expound upon that for a second because I worked with this producer a couple of years ago that he was an 
absolute scumbag piece of shit. And he and I got in this huge fight. And I remember looking at him and being like, dude, this isn't my first rodeo. And he turned around to me and he's like, I've been doing this for 25 years. And I was like, well, I looked you up before this movie and half of your movies fucking stuck. So I don't care what you think. And he and I got in this huge fight where I really thought I was going to punch him in the throat. But God damn, that movie was so fucking bad, dude. That script was bad. Everything about that movie was bad. And I pray to God that, that movie fucking fails. All right. So I caveat a little bit for producers <laughs> here because the, and they get a really bad rap um, because there are a lot of slime balls. And I, I've, I've worked for really good producers. And I've worked for a lot of really not fun producers. It's an art to try to find how best to bend the rules, you know. But uh, sometimes you got to bend the rules in order to make a movie. Um, I would obviously never say that on a union set. Is that in order to not touch your contingency? I mean, I I don't think I have ever had to go into my contingency. Um, okay. And if, if anything, uh, I don't I don't know about uh, your particular producer that you've got in mind, but I really had a really good the best way that I've worked with people is just by being open and honest with them. And uh, I do really like, though, when people try to throw things at me like union rules and whatnot when we're not on a union set. Because <laughs> I, I remember having, uh, I was working on an indie shoot in LA and there was this best boy that wanted to argue with me every single Wait, electric day. or grip? Uh, electric. Um, hmm. And they wanted okay. to argue with me every single day because one of the guys wasn't getting what he should have been paid union rates. And I would have to explain to him every single day. And one day he decided to hold up everything. Uh, <laughs> and so I had to get our accountant to come down here and show him, this is what your rate is. This is the contract that you agreed to. And if you want, this guy's about to fire you and find someone else. Yeah, it's non-union. <laughs> it was, you know, it was, uh, but other, other than that one time, I've had a really good, just by being open and honest with everyone. And I really dislike when people tell me, you know, what would be great is if we could have this. And I'm like, okay, so you didn't bring that up on the scout, but now that we're here, you want me <laughs> to pay an extra $10,000 for you to get one shot. Why? <laughs> What, what is the purpose of here? And why can't you find a creative way to get that with what you have, with what you promised me that you could? Like, if you want, I'm willing to stay up all night with you and try to figure it out. But you're here telling me, oh, no, 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 you can't do fucking anything unless you spend an extra 10 grand. It's very, up. very rare that you find a producer like Trip where he's willing to work with you because it usually ends up that you threaten like physical violence. But let's, let's steer away from the union, non-union yeah. rule. Because we went down a, a rabbit hole yeah, for a no, second. I don't, uh, I'm not from this world here. Like, I've never really had to threaten anyone with physical violence. So, Paul, talk to, me, talk to me about telecommunications for a second. Because the name of this company is Travicom, okay? And is this just because this is like early 90s telecommunications that we're willing to like abide by, that this telecommunications company is like willing to do whatever the fuck they need to do in order to get these blue fucking diamonds in order to create these lasers that somehow have some sort... Why the fuck do these lasers have some sort of bearing on them making billions of dollars? That's what I'm confused by. I have no idea. I have no idea why they need these blue diamond things to, to make lasers. 
I mean, lasers are used in fiber optic communications, and I suppose you could use them in satellite communications. And if you have very high power, efficient lasers, then you need fewer repeaters. But not visible wavelength, though. I mean, they're not going to send a visible wavelength laser in order for us to be able to beam any sort of data communications to a satellite. The shorter the wavelength, the higher the bandwidth your signal has, so the more data you can pack into it. That's why Blu-rays have more data capacity and higher data rates than like the original DVDs, which are infrared, for example. So, I mean, uh, there's lots of nuances and, but I think the whole point of this movie is it's all about corporate (laughs) greed and, you know. So they just want this laser technology. It doesn't mean anything because they want to make money is what you're saying. Yeah, they'll make money off it somehow, whatever. They've got better lasers than everyone. I mean, I, I figured it was like a Tony Stark thing, right? Like where they've got like a side business uh, and just super weapons, right? Like, oh, yeah, no, no, we've got this front-facing thing. I mean, no, and, yeah. Um, you know, it's great. We do, we do telecommunications, your new cell phone. We also make weapons of mass destruction. Brought to you by Qualcomm. why not why not you know that's that's an interesting point because i don't actually know any telecommunications companies that are working with like the defense department other than like communications like weaponry and shit like that i mean they're always selling all their data to to buy it including the government so (laughs) So, near the end of this movie uh near the end of this movie there's a moment where like amy turns around she sees like the silverback gorillas right and there's like two male gorillas and her and there's like this weird like shot where like they look at amy and they look at the gorillas and then they look back at dylan walsh and then they look at the gorillas and then they look at amy I'm like wait 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 is this like amy is gonna have like a menage a trois she sees these two male like silverback gorillas and she's like excited for the shit I'm I'm confused. Maybe maybe Dylan Walsh's like man dick or whatever isn't like, satisfying her in that way. Maybe she needs these fucking silverback gorillas yeah. in order to ravage her. But she needs a real it? man. I mean, maybe she's yeah. just tired of like the Homo sapien and she's go back to like her roots and find Absolutely. what's fun. But like uh, this glassy moment, this gla- <laughs> this glassy moment near the end of the movie is so glaring and so like bizarre. Did I just, I don't understand what's going on here. Like, so they couldn't, they couldn't just abandon Amy to her fate, whatever. She looks at the, the silverback and gets the hots for him and then looks back <laughs> at the, the Berkeley guy and she makes the choice to stay with the gorillas and decides that she's home and she wants to live like wild gorilla again. Even though she's, she's never connected with them. Okay. Okay. Well, there's a there's a little scene where she runs off to go spend time with the gorillas, and they don't you know. immediately rip, rip her face off or try to. Yeah, yeah. So okay, they so they yeah, kind of accept her once she gets rid of her weird sign <sighs> language translator thing. Sure. And, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Male gorilla's like, oh, another piece of pussy. All right. That's good. <laughs> Quick question: the the prop master on this movie knows that diamonds don't look like that, right? Because when she holds it up and she's just like uh can you throw this away from me and she like throws it off the top of the hot air which is the stupidest yeah, fucking... i mean she's obviously holding a piece of quartz but, yeah, but like the prop where, master where are they gonna find like this... a 200 carat diamond it doesn't matter props department makes that shit dude you're like they can make something but it's a fucking piece of quartz that they got from some five dollar barrel at some roadside attraction in arizona yeah. like that's what they got 
whatever. Just gonna have there, to let there, it go. There, there's so many things <laughs> that you could point out on how you can realize it's a low budget or should have been a low budget. Fifty million is a big budget. Yeah, well, they definitely wrong. pocketed that, and most of it went to the Saturday night parties. <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> yeah, you know, cocaine was a big I'm thing. I'm just saying, the you can tell. Um, <laughs> but the thing that showed it off to me is the very last shot when they're flying away right i'm pretty sure they only did one take and the reason is is because what's her name laura lenny is like going up and down with the laser in the basket like it should have been the three of them just there as they take off and ride out into the distance as they're looking over everything right very pensive very kind of like oh my god we just survived and somehow this gorilla that we bought from Berkeley and Starbucks is making it in the wild. Yay. Instead, she's like hopping up and down with the laser weapon to like get in the shot and not get in the shot. Like, oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be in. Oh, no, I'm supposed to be in here. Let me let me stand now. Mm. <laughs> you guys get it? You guys get it? One take? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they kind of overlooked the fact that... Uh... Hot air balloons don't really work well in the tropics, but uh, yeah, you know that's that's an important point. I wasn't going to mention that, but it's fine. It's a it was a cold morning, and so was it? Of, Is, uh, all right, so somehow okay, to get up there. Oh, yeah, oh, all right. physics doesn't exist. <laughs> so the worst line of this movie comes at the end when uh, oh, who the fuck said it? But they said, "I hope this wind blows us someplace good." It's the last line in the movie. Really? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, Just going with yeah, it. that's the last line in the movie. I hope the wind blows us someplace good. That's the last line in this movie. And they're in a fucking hot air balloon, which doesn't happen to work very well in the tropics, but they're just hoping that it blows them into a neighboring country that isn't like war torn. <laughs> How, what is their extraction plan, dude? Like, are they just, just going to land wherever and turn on a transponder and somebody supposed to like pick them up in this random area and some fucking like possibly war-torn country where they can't get into speaking of which it's playing right behind me right now and this is the worst fucking scene in the movie i don't care what you say paul like this scene pulls you out completely man this is some pile of shit <laughs> i think they just uh they made it through this whole ordeal after doing so they're pretty zen and they're just willing to go where the wind Low, wherever them. and ernie hudson's okay with this He'll probably just leave the white people to their fate. <laughs> He'll go on his own. His job's over now. Ah, uh, man. This movie, man, like, I, I swear, this is one of the worst fucking, like, top 10 worst movies I've ever seen in my life. But it's, it's, um, it's, it's a good flick to s discuss on this podcast because it's so fucking bad, man. <laughs> I don't care what you say, Paul. Is this is this something? I think I I think I convinced you. I think you're. <laughs> is you're this ready something to that it's uh, worthwhile? <laughs> All right. So objectively, what would you give this out of ten stars? Out of ten stars, what would you give this objectively? Even with the nostalgia factor and everything, I would give it a five. A but five. it doesn't matter. I still like it, and See, I still enjoy watching. This is it. a solid one for me. <laughs> it's like 
It's only one because it's maybe it sort of looks like a $10 million movie from the 90s, but not a $50 million movie because there's no reason this should have cost $50 million. No way. I don't know how much Stan Winston. Winston on, all the special effects. No, there's like a man. ton of that stuff. Lasers, lava. Lasers. I mean, don't forget paintings. about the giant hippotop. paintings. Are, oh, get out of here. <laughs> I just remember everybody was talking about this movie in 95 when it came out. And they're like, oh, yeah, you got to see this shit, blah, 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 blah. And I don't know why. <laughs> no, it's got some fun dial. I mean, you have to accept the fact that it's not a good movie. It's, it's a B movie, right? But it's got some fun dialogue and some fun characters and some good kills in it. So I, I just want to bring up that after this movie, Stan now, Winston- a lot of the dialogue is bad and the script has <laughs> weak points. Weak points? Sure, but <laughs> weak points. <laughs> this whole script is cruxed upon like this bullshit premise. That's uh, yeah. It's, wait, it's wait, a movie that's that something for everyone. Game. Side note: Have you have you <laughs> seen the director's cut of Avatar, the hundred and eighty-seven minute version Probably. or whatever? You yeah. I own wait, that. wait. You Paul and I had this like drinking game where we were playing that when we used to live together. We played this drinking game with Avatar. Do you drink every time somebody says like a nickname? Every time they do like a George W. How Bush reference, or any time there's a new character. Uh, an hour an hour after the movie started into a three-hour movie we were drunk and i remember looking at paul and i was like dude i'm not gonna make it like i can't can't do another two hours of this shit but like it's it's a it's a really really bad movie and the more time that goes on the more it doesn't hold up i think it holds up fine but you know we're gonna have to we'll take it to another time gabe you're just gonna have to take your tassel and connect with it you know you know, that was erotic as shit in that movie. Like <laughs> the tassels connecting and him fucking her. But all that being said, that is the movie Congo 1995. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What's your final take on it, Trip? Would you recommend it to everyone? Would you watch it again? I, I think I'm going to have to give it a solid two <laughs> out of yeah. ten. Yeah. Solid two. One. <laughs> one star for the laser scene at the end. One star for the uh, warlord scene. It was possibly the best part of the movie. Like, I, I, I got excited when he showed up. I'm thinking, oh my God, it's about to get good. And then he was gone. I'm like, oh, no, we're back in Congo. Okay, cool. Never mind. Joe Pantoliano is Jimmy Buffett fucking t-shirt that he's wearing. Jimmy Buffett's the pilot, man. Come on now. They were supposed to be going to Margaritaville. <laughs> oh, shit. Maybe that's where the... Oh, there you go. There you go. That's what it was. It's before the CIA lady with the telecommunications company came in. Berkeley was taking Amy on a trip to Margaritaville and chartered the plane with Jimmy Buffett flying it. And then the oh, corporate shit. telecommunications company just came in and messed the whole thing up. Just came in fucked everything I mean, come up, on. Man. If she likes... If she likes martini, she likes that, margarita. That changes that changes the whole lensing of this movie for me right now when I'm thinking about it. So that is Congo 1995. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Thank you, Trip, for being our special guest this week. It was a lot of fun having you on. Thank you for being on. Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks for coming, Trip. Great, great. <laughs> Thank you guys for hanging out. We appreciate you listening to us. And until next time, this is Movie Dicks. I'm Gabriel Chavez. I'm Paul Schindel. I'm Tripp, the guest. Thank you guys for showing up. All right, we'll talk to you next time.